Are you terrified? Are you scared? Just so you know, Andrew, we are, are now recording. With Andreas. <laughs> <laughs> and that's definitely getting left in. That's a quality start. <laughs> Probably our best start so far. So. <laughs> I are you terrified? Are you scared? Well, you've just started listening to us, so you absolutely should be. <laughs> definitely should be. Shock horror as well. I didn't know... <laughs> Which song that was? <laughs> oh, the my song God. we're singing two minutes before we started recording. Oh, right. Well, I know the chorus to it then. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> he knows the intro. And yeah, that the is intro it. and the chorus, yeah. Relax, take it easy. Okay, okay. <laughs> this is as far as I know. Yeah. It's absolutely shocking, Paul. But we'd expect no less from you. Oh, I admitted you're here far too I know. Early. I was going to say, this has ah. been the first week. This is week. the first name mentioned. That's not yeah. all. I know. Can it and start again? <laughs> no. uh, we can't deny the people that beautiful singing, Andrew. So, um, we, yeah, we've we've committed fine. to it now. Cool. We, we are there. Cool. Move on then. Andrew is the Britney Spears of the group. Mm-hmm. Fat shaved head. <laughs> <laughs> Mentally unstable. <laughs> Checked in a rehab last week. My head isn't shaved at the moment. <laughs> it leaves the fridge and always goes, oops, I did that again. <laughs> <laughs> that I can relate to. <laughs> <laughs> when the Domino's man leaves the door. <laughs> Speaking of which, we'll be on the cookies again tonight, boys. <laughs> Are there, have you not got them on pre-order, Paul? <laughs> sort it out. <laughs> on subscription. <laughs> It's like the Amazon thing. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe and save. (laughs) (laughs) It's been in my basket all week, (laughs) just ready. You'd be getting emails like, you've not, you've still got these items in your basket. (laughs) They've gone cold. (laughs) The boy's standing here at the door (laughs) to the oven, just waiting on (laughs) you, waiting to put them in. <laughs> There's 20 people just watching the screen, like, is he gonna order it? Is he gonna order <laughs> it? Is he gonna order it? Like, people are ringing up complaining, like, where's my pizza? The boy with the cookies, we're waiting <laughs> on it, finalizing. <laughs> oh dear, brilliant. Some start to this podcast. It like has that. been some start. Well organized, guys. Well organized. Always. That's We've still not even introduced you, Callum. The well, now you have, you have, so we can move on now. We <laughs> have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. So we're back after a week off. Yep. How is your back, Callum? It's fine now. Unlike, I mean, I'm, it's quite rare for it to fix so quickly. Usually I sort of spend about three weeks sort of just like crippled, wandering about, but... Because you have the back, or you just generally have the body of a pensioner. I, I mean, say, I yeah, genuinely what? asked for a wheelchair two Christmases ago. And was told apparently that would be inappropriate. What what kind of strenuous activity were it? was it that put your back? Or was it just? Um, I played the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Woke up like oh god, that was an intense sleep. God, <laughs> I slept more than six hours. My body didn't know what to do with itself. <laughs> it just collapsed. <laughs> it was like oh my god, I've never been stationary for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's do this a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> you will not move. <laughs> yeah, you may be onto something there. <laughs> I'll never make that mistake again. <laughs> Less than six hours every night. That's it. Keeps my body safe. Yeah. So, in the absence of a podcast last week, what did what was the big chat that we missed out on last week, boys? Oh, well, a few big chats last week. Well, we were going to chat about vaccine passports last week. We were. That feels dry. But let's do it anyway, because who's listening, so who cares? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. So, vaccine passports, what, been in the news a lot last week, but they're still rumbling on, still all the ethical debates. Is there much conversation about it up here, though? Like, I know there's been a couple of mentions, but it more seems to be a Westminster discussion than... Well, so th- one of the things that you specifically wanted to discuss about this, Andrew, in particular, was some of the SNP's stance on vaccine passports and uh, some tweets that had gone out by Ian Blackford He's in relation to this, fan. yeah? You are looking oh, around. I, 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 right, yeah, so... 
I, I'm you've, sorry, I've totally forgot that I'd even laid eyes on that at a point in that time. Tweet, but yeah, but he seemed to do a U-turn. He did do a U-turn. So Very initially, big U-turn. there were quotes in a newspaper which suggested that the SNP were going to support vaccine passports and vote on them, even though it only related to England and Wales. Yeah, I saw you say that. Yeah, yeah. He then said basically the opposite, that they wouldn't, and there were far too many questions over them for them to commit to either supporting or not. Do you think this was a case of newspapers drumming up stuff, which wasn't true, and then Blackford coming out and setting the record straight? Or was it just that it was leaked and they had every intention to go ahead and vote on it, but then having seen some of the backlash, he's done a little bit of a U-turn? Um. I'm going to go in the middle. I think that so often with things which are leaked, it's an intentional leak to gauge. Yeah. To to gauge the public opinion. Yeah, and then that. And will then inform. you make your decision on the back of the opinion. Is this something that if we do, we know it's slightly controversial, so we're maybe leak that we're considering we're it, but it's a leak that we can deny. Um, and then if there is a huge backlash, you just go right. No, we're not doing it. Right. I think that's probably closer to the truth. I think you're probably right there, to be honest. And I, I think the backlash was justified, to be fair, as well. So where do you, Paul, where do you stand on... In fact, where do you stand on vaccines to start with? And where do you stand on vaccine passports and potentially mandatory vaccination? Vaccines... No problem with vaccines generally. What with about this, vaccines? With this COVID vaccine in particular, the realisation I've come to in the last couple of weeks is that I think everybody knows now that we're going to start getting annual vaccines in the same way that we get the flu vaccine and everything like that, yeah? There'll be your annual COVID top-up vaccine. I have absolutely no intention of getting that because I don't get the flu vaccine. I don't get, I'm not going to get the COVID vaccine. I don't need it. I'm young enough and fit enough that I don't need it. So if I don't need it, so wait, you're not going to get the first one? Well, so if I don't need any of the subsequent ones, why would I get the first one either? Either you're afraid enough of COVID and you think you'll be impacted by it enough that you should be getting vaccinated and you should be getting vaccinated regularly, or you don't, in my eyes. So going on that logic, I can't see why I should bother my ass with... And this isn't anything to do with possible side effects or blood clots or none of that stuff. I think it's probably perfectly safe, but... I've, I've got no intention of getting other ones, so it just seems daft to me that I'd queue up for this one. I disagree with you, and the reason that I disagree with you is that as we progress through the loosening of restrictions, the one thing they are going to look at is the percentage of the population that have been vaccinated. So they can gauge herd immunity, really. Exactly, yeah. So, but if there is, if that opinion takes hold widespread within our age group, um, so say the 20 to 35 year old age group um, then COVID is still going to be about in a big enough way while not having any massive effects in terms of hospitalizations or deaths uh, it'll still be around about in terms of case numbers in a big enough scale that the government will shit themselves and not because loosen we know, everything up. We know Nicola likes to loosen things up, really. You know, she's really, you know, lax with it all. So yeah. people like you, Paul, will have us having, like, outdoor meetings until 2025. If that, it truly is the government's stance, would they not use any means necessary to just cling on to power and cling on to some semblance of control? I Even I, if that is the case, why would you give them... An extra bit of ammunition when because it's something that is very simple. Just take the jab in your arm. Because and ethically, the jag it's n- in your arm. It is not right that you should have to force yourself to be injected with something to stop your government denying your freedoms. Just ethically, that's absolutely wrong. I don't disagree with you there, and I suppose that's where the whole vaccine passport chat leads. Mm. Um, but as a sort of let's get out of a pandemic, let's get us back to normality. Not some sort of normality, to normality. Yeah, not yeah. the new normal. Yeah, like. no, let, let's get, get us back to what life was like in 2019. 
right. then I, I will quite happily take take the jag in the arm and yeah, I, I won't take it every year forthwith. But okay. in but that initial year, I absolutely. The booster will. will be irrelevant to what hap- like will be fairly irrelevant to getting us out of this situation. Yeah. We should so be out of it by then. I agree with you that if vaccine passports are a part of what comes in and they are introduced, then I'm not going to shoot myself in the put foot and just say take some in the what <laughs> in, the, in the put <laughs> i'm not going to shoot myself in the foot and take some ethical stance that it's wrong for the government to do this but didn't you know, cut myself off from society i'm not that daft but I'll, I'll flip it around and say if you had an absolute guarantee that we get out of this lockdown the government won't reintroduce any measures at another point in time there's no requirement for vaccine passports basically come june we're out of it for good would you still get vaccinated? I think the problem is... is that well, no, just... I want to hear would I still get, would you still get vaccinated? Yes. I right. Would. And yet you wouldn't get the booster afterwards. Well, I suppose, again, that depends on what happens down the line. So you're genuinely afraid enough of COVID to... Not personally, but... I spend a lot of time with various members of my family who it would have, could have a significant effect on. And so therefore, even though, yes, they would take the boosters, if there is still what could be a significant risk to them, then, yeah, you probably would down the line. So I guess I'm just more selfish. I wouldn't do that. Like, I spend an awful, awful lot of time with my grandparents, but... They've had the jab. They'll get the boosters. There's no requirement for, in my eyes, there's no requirement for me to get the jab to potentially protect Jag. somebody else who's already been jabbed. We're not English. <laughs> not well, Callum is, but... Hey. <laughs> British. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the bit that I don't really understand about this sort of attitude of not getting the injection whatever it is the jab the, the jag <laughs> the jab's a punch to the pus the shot <laughs> the shot, a short quick you know? jab whatever we want to call it is that within reason we've all kind of gone right lockdown is being applied okay well we'll kind of follow lockdown how many people followed it to letter well I don't think there's many, but on the whole, <laughs> yeah, but on the whole, the country has been accepting of the lockdown situation and has gone, right, this is what we're going to do to sort of get around this. I don't see the point in accepting lockdown and then getting up in arms about an injection when that's the thing that actually gets life back to normality. I don't think the lockdowns. public have been accepting lockdown. I think the only reason that people have tolerated lockdowns at all is because... Tolerating and accepting is basically the same thing. So, because the government have the power to close down businesses and find businesses if they are open without COVID measures, there's nothing for you to go out and do. It's much more easy for people to comply in the middle of January when it's not warm enough for you to go out and do anything anyway, and there is nothing that you can go and do indoors because everywhere's shut. If the if the public didn't accept lockdown, there would be widespread disorder, which yeah. there simply isn't. There's yeah. no evidence of that. No, there's been a couple of protests, and that's about it. Yeah. Like, on the whole, there has been... I mean, even in some of the polling that's been going on, I was surprised when I saw how many people were actually, like... And I think actually, our, as much as I go, I don't think there's that many people who are sticking to it. There actually are quite a lot of people who are sticking to it quite, not maybe it's, but pretty rigidly. And a lot of... The flaw with these polls, I always find the, the ones that are hilarious, they, um, how do you expect, how will you behave in line with the regulations? And how will the public behave in line with the regulations? And it's always the, oh, 95% of people say, yes, I will adhere to the regulations, but they say that 65% of the public definitely will not adhere to the regulations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I might be in the 65, but I don't have to point that fact out. Yeah, yeah. I, I will absolutely adhere to that. Yeah, I know, but I mean, I think it, the difficulty with the three <laughs> of us is we're all quite similar people, So, and I think we probably all experience fairly similar people. 
So I think it's quite easy for us to sort of go, oh, well, this is how we think, so that's kind of how most people think. And actually, in reality, there's quite a lot of people have stayed at home, not seen family, not seen friends at all. My my gran hasn't left her house since last March. She went to my auntie's at the weekend there, who lives locally to her. And that was the first time she'd left her house in, a, in 15 months. So there, yeah. there are people out there like that. And I've heard of a few not folk like at work who's... That their parents are have taken a very similar approach, and I just think let's just get us out of this. We we've accepted the lockdown. It's probably caused more hardship on our life than getting the injection. Well, just get the bloody thing and get over and done with. I, I just I still think it's going to be pretty safe. I know there's this whole thing of the blood clots and all that, but I mean it, yeah. the statistical probability of getting a blood clot. Is still absolutely minuscule. Yeah. We also, as, as people s- at our age group, won't get that injection because yeah. the relative l- risk of COVID is so low. Yeah. Um, the, the risk of blood clot does actually outweigh the risk of COVID. Yeah. Right, and that is the bit that really sticks in my throat. Like, when they were convincing people, no, it's still safe to get this vaccine because you're safer getting the vaccine than you are going on a flight. You're 50 times safer getting the vaccine than you are going in a car. You know, like all of these different things that yep. Jonathan Van Tam was saying. I was like, well, why the fuck am I getting it then? Like, w- what is the point in me getting it? Just to save other people who have already been vaccinated. It doesn't make any sense but to me. It's a society. This is an issue that's affecting our society. And we just have to And the people who are impacted it. by it have been vaccinated. Yeah, but yeah, then but we, shouldn't have been, the... we shouldn't have been locked down under those bases. Under that basis, we we should have just let ev- all the sort of under forties carry on with their life. Which, I, to be honest, I think we should have. I anyway. think we should have done. But yeah. We, the problem is we didn't do that. So I draw a line when it comes to people pumping me full of chemicals. Why I, I you draw usually a line. don't mind people pumping you full of things, Paul? So no, I I draw a line at that. You know which? At what? <laughs> Where is the line? <laughs> what are you okay being pumped full of? <laughs> <laughs> In all the put, s- all sorts of bodily. <laughs> 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 oh. No, I, you know, you can have certain freedoms denied. It's totally different when you start saying, "I no longer have the right to say what should or shouldn't be put into my body." That's absolutely line crossed for me. Mm. Okay, um, I just don't. I just don't see how getting the this is a bigger deal than all of the rights and freedoms that have been stripped over the last year from people. They're, they're a huge deal as well. And also, let's be completely honest here, yeah, it's also because I'm a huge pussy who's afraid of needles, right? That colours this, and I'm looking for excuses. I know I'm looking for excuses. I do still think I'll it's wrong. I'll come your boo-boo if you want. No, it's not even that. It's It's... Having the needle under my skin creeps me the hell out. And I have no intention of getting one under my skin for something that will increase my risk of death. It makes absolutely zero sense. And I know they're saying, oh, right, well, you won't get the AstraZeneca one. Well, they're now talking about the Johnson & Johnson one, and I bet there's other side effects that the others have. Like, It's a virus that I would be safer on a chartered flight than getting COVID. There is absolutely no requirement for me to get the vir- the vaccine. If they don't bring in passports, I'm not getting it. I mean, air travel is quite safe, to be fair. Like, it's not like they're saying, you know, you're safe walking on a tightrope without a harness over the Grand Canyon. Like, it's... They're talking about... They're comparing it with something incredibly safe anyway. But I, I feel like... We're yeah, probably but that's, that's exactly my point as well. If they were saying that your ch- your chance of dying from COVID is the same as walking across a tightrope over the Grand Canyon, then I'd be shitting myself and I'd be first in the queue to get the vaccine. Well, yeah. But it's the fact that they're saying it's COVID for an unvaccinated 30-year-old is every bit as safe as getting on a flight. Right, right sorry, well. yeah. I've missed inter- I thought you were mean comparing it to the vaccine. Sorry, not COVID. So that's, uh, uh. Well, the vaccine's about as safe as that as well. Yeah, it's... Well, I think we're kind of, it seems like Andrew and I are probably in the camp of we will get the vaccine kind of just because it... Just gaze it. uh, Just to do it. 
to Carl's being a pussy. So yeah. oh, I'm being a pussy. I know that. But to come full circle again, just to come back to the Blackford point, then because you had said about vaccines and vaccine passports and things like that, would it have been right for Blackford to have, or the rest of the SNP as well, to have approved vaccine passports? To have approved it in England? Yeah. No. That's just a straight no. They don't vote on things which don't affect Scotland, so no. And the the supposed argument of uh, it would affect people who work in England or whatever and live in Scotland or the other way around. Um, no, it, that that argument just doesn't wash. Yeah, because that 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 applies for all of England only matters. So why yeah. would this would be any different? Yeah. yeah, that would be dangerous territory, yeah, especially absolutely. given what their agenda is. Yeah, to try and start getting involved in things like that. Yeah, like yeah, exist existentially that just like. It would be so easy for the Tories to then just say, "Well, hold on, then what's the whole point in Holyrood and all the devolved oh. powers?" And it like, yeah, this I is agree. this is why England should have a devolved parliament. But that's a whole an argument discussion. for another day. Oh, there it is. It's spicy. That that'll be like a triple is episode. It, is it that spicy? Is that really that spicy? Oh no, I'm just I don't think it is. I think <laughs> actually most people agree with that. That was more like our whole. I thought this might have been one of these. If we redesigned it, how would we do it? Yeah. Chats. Oh, which England should have two devolved parliaments. Well, they vote down a Northern Assembly, to be fair. So, I mean, they could have had one. Yeah. I think that's that's something we should definitely cover in its own right, but in another chat. In I, another yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah, in another life. In another life. After the COVID vaccines killed us, we can come back. <laughs> <laughs> the ghosts of Christmas. I'm just thinking. Was it on the podcast or afterwards? We were talking about the vaccine the other week, and I was like, "Oh, it's something like Sputnik or something." The Russian oh, Sputnik. Yeah, Sputnik. Sputnik. It is Sputnik. Sputnik. I was like, I'm thinking of the space <laughs> shuttles and stuff. I was like, and I no, saw like, it on the Sputnik list. Sputnik V. Like, it's Sputnik V. It's I was Sputnik right. V. It's in the same way as like. Um, the Tories had Project Moonshot at the start of um, of the pandemic, didn't they? I can't remember what Project Moonshot was, though. Moonshot was it the was mass testing. That's what it was. It was the mass testing project. They did a trial for it in Liverpool, didn't they? Mm. Oh, right, that, that thing. Yeah, and they then, said, we're just going to test everyone. And then they put them up. They were like, oh, well, because you've been such good sports, we'll put you down to level two. And then it was like mayhem. Or tier two. Where we levels, yeah, we levels their tears. tears. Yeah. Have you seen the China vaccine thing? Where it's China. China. It's like China. China. <laughs> where it's like fifty. I miss him. Two percent efficacy. 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 It's a soft C. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's you need fifty percent to get WHO approval. <laughs> so it's like got the point two percent or something <laughs> over it. And I think they did a test in brazil and they don't even make it 50 percent and oh chinese statistics being fudged like turkey or somebody's done their own test and it's like 91 percent. it's like so what are china building you in response to you putting out these figures it's just ridiculous but you're not allowed to go to china unless you've taken their vaccine i wonder why they even bother at this stage various different countries not just china like researching the different vaccines like between Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson and like uh, nah, do we not have enough? It's production. Right. So it's not that though, it's because they've already sunk the cost in researching. So they've uh. got, they're trying to realise that cost, haven't they? Because they didn't know yeah. that AstraZeneca and Moderna and Pfizer uh, cetera, cetera, would so all get their funds. Race, yeah. But so and so they've sunk that cost. So they, they want something at the back end of it. So do you yeah. not think yeah. Pfizer well die the rest of it? Do you not think because of the requirements for this like minus seventy? No, chilling. because it's the future of vaccinations. Mm. RNA vaccinations are the future. And do they all have to be at this like minus seven? At the moment, stuff, yeah. The right. Moderna one's exactly the same. It has the uh, same yeah. issues. With I didn't realize that was because of how they like. It's because it's this RNA. Because they just run it like through a computer, pretty much, isn't it? Um, uh, I'm not quite sure. And sequence it and things. because yeah. there was. I remember seeing on the news there was a guy who's doing like what he saw describes a more traditional vaccine they were working on. Yeah. And the problem is, is they've almost got to take the cells and do testing on it, whereas this other one, they just basically put it in a computer and it almost says, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then they, they reckon this is the 
the silver bullet for a lot of things. They're going right. to get a HIV vaccine out of it, they reckon. Yeah. Because everybody's got AIDS. Because it was like with they got the first strains of coronavirus, they mapped them in like 48 hours or something like that, threw it at the computer, and within another 24 hours, they had the first the vaccine in a jar somewhere. Uh, the, yeah, the Pfizer yeah. vaccine was developed in the first weekend. Yeah. And then it was just like months and months of testing. So yeah. it's like if you can get the testing process down, then yeah, you can vaccinate. But in reality, even if it is the future, how, you know, it, for a lot, even countries like China, which are, we sort of see as big economies, they're still pretty underdeveloped in many parts of the mm. country. Yeah. And how feasible are. I get that it might be the future, but the future is not now, so there so probably I, is still yeah, value. But your, your initial question was, is it going to die off? Aye. No. Yeah. No, it, but I'm more meaning as a COVID vaccine rather than necessarily as a sort of I a long-term solution. I still think no, because it doesn't have all these headlines that... Plaguing it. Yeah, yeah so that the, the AZ one and the, the Johnson & Johnson one, which is very similar to the AZ one in the way it's made both have these blood clot headlines attached to them. The RNA ones just don't. So I mean, yeah. Johnson Johnson just need to roll out a baby in a bath with some bubbles and that'll sort it out. Everyone will think it's cute and they'll yeah. be game for it. Yeah. If the Johnson & Johnson one didn't have the headlines and had the mass production behind it, it's the vaccine of choice. It's easily storable, easily transportable. It's a single shot. Why wouldn't you go for that one? But yeah, certainly the Pfizer one is a proof of concept for other vaccines in the future. It's just... Well, it's pretty mind blowing, hasn't it? Yeah. It, it? It is mind blowing, actually, the potential that that has. Mm. Does it mm. not create like a? This is going totally off on a tangent, but does it not create a potential for like massive inequality? And in, like, there's already massive inequality in healthcare, but because it, that must cost some expense to have these like minus seventy chillers and transportation and stuff. Is it not just like advantaging us? I'd be like. Nay luck, Africa. You're not getting it. It's just how the world works, unfortunately. The rich yeah. get richer. I'm like the the lefty on this conversation. I don't know how mm-hmm. I feel about that. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Right. We are no, far just too right here. Just yeah. fucking off them. Right, there we go. It makes me feel better. There we go. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's how the world works. Yeah. That is the harsh reality of it. Ah, but... He's not accepting of getting a vaccine when you have to, but he's accepting of like all these poor people dying. It's interesting that, Paul. Uh, Look at your morality there, son. Just a selfish, just very selfish, awful to, human. To being. go yeah. back to Johnson That's Johnson, me. though, Paul. Do you have baby oil for your poop? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> My a poop. Big bottle of talcum powder. <laughs> <laughs> I do genuinely have a big bottle of talcum powder <laughs> <laughs> in my bathroom. <laughs> And what do you use that for, Paul? I don't use it for anything. The ex used to use talcum powder, so it's just, I've never binned it since. It's been there 18 months unused. What did she use it for, Paul? Just, I mean, why do adults use, ta- like, I know, like, if I'm sure that was like a gener- generational thing, like, mm. after the bath, putting the yeah. talcum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was exactly what it got used for. Yeah, like is you, your ex is not seventy four years old though, Paul. In in the head, maybe. <laughs> sharing We're this mo- podcast moving into dangerous territory. Definitely <laughs> sharing this podcast. <laughs> Straight on the Facebook Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Have just take that clip. How do you like the talk? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a euphemism. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear me. Oh, well, we've just, we've just taken that down a dodgy avenue. So speaking of somebody who liked things dodgy, Prince Philip, he died. That was not the best segue ever, but I'll grant you. Well, I know, we but I couldn't it, think yeah. I'll allow it. We'll allow it. We'll allow <laughs> it. We'll allow it. What about Prince Philip? Has he been... Well, he died, so I'm now going to let you two cry about that oh, fact, yeah. and I'm just going to drink my Pepsi Max, so. <laughs> R.I.P. I, I'm not going to cry about that fact, to be honest, but. <laughs> I don't think many would. We know that, that I am not the, ro- I am far from the most. Right, an old man, an old side. man died. 
and that is sad for his family. Condolences to his family. Um, why should anyone else care? Why should anyone else care? Why should the BBC black out their entire schedule for a day? Why should they cancel all the TV programmes that everyone wants to watch on a Friday night? Why would ITV do the same? I just don't get it. I don't get it. So, I half get it. In that, even though I hate the royals... No, I don't hate the royals. I hate the idea of a monarchy. But... I accept that we have a monarchy and that, rightly or wrongly, they are a big part of British culture. And therefore, when a senior royal dies, there is going to be public attention on it. However, the magnitude of coverage was way, way over the top. If if the BBC had completely blacked out BBC Two, or even BBC One, fine. But it was BBC One and Two and Three. Four was completely taken off air to point out that, and every single radio program. BBC as well. Scotland, BBC Alba, all these things, like yeah, the fact that like, cancelled th- Hearts Against Alloa was meant to be on the telly, and that was pulled because Prince Philip died. What the fuck? What the fuck? So we've seen now. I wanted yeah. to watch Hearts Against Alloa. You know, <laughs> you know the thing that I loved most about all of this was so there's been a hundred and ten thousand complaints to the BBC over this. It is the most complained about TV thing ever. P- Piers Morgan's Britain. record did not last long. No, no. <laughs> but the the best thing about this for me was because of the sheer number of complaints coming in so quickly. The BBC set up a complaints form, a dedicated yeah. complaints form, Just which actually address, crashed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but that form, there were 200 people who complained about that form who must have been staunch royalists because they were saying, you are making it too easy to complain about the magnitude of coverage. Well, that's fair, so... I think. I, I do think that actually that point is fair because I wouldn't have complained about the royal coverage at all. But if the BBC are going to put a form where all I'll have to do is type in my email address and you just add a one, yeah, fine. I'll stick my email address on it. Are you going to be that kind of troll who's going to complain because someone's making it too easy to complain? No, I'm you not going to... You are that no. petty, aren't no, no, you? No, no, you no, are no. that kind no, of guy. I wouldn't, uh, no, because I wouldn't ha- be arsed enough to complain in the first place. But the fact that there was an easy form where all you had to do was put your email address in meant that I put my email address in. Wait, did you actually <laughs> yeah, complain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put my email address in. Just because I was like... Well, it pissed me off, so I'll stick my email address on and see what, what the response is. As much as I, I I just want to see what the response is when they, they put a response to it. Even yeah. though that'll be reported on, but I might miss that, whereas it'll hit my email address box if... It was basically a, do you want to subscribe to our response to the complaints on this coverage, is what that form became. Mm. I didn't even my look at it, anyway. to be honest. I, I, I like... Even though I know that there was a ton of coverage, I just missed it all because I knew, oh God, this is just going to be everywhere. So just avoided the news and avoided TV basically the entirety of Friday night and then Saturday. It was just completely just turned off, really. A bit like Callum in the middle of this conversation just now, sitting there chewing his fingernails. It's not even, he's not, not even humoring that not, with a verbal uh, no. response. Not even engaged. Not even right. engaged. If that's how our co-host is engaged with this discussion, I hate to think how the listeners feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I thought it was entirely disproportionate. Um, I think that it is another example of the journalistic elite being out of touch with the public. For um, sure. And... The thing that actually concerns me is I thought that this is the type of skill you would get when the Queen died. And when the Queen dies, I think they will go a level further. So, fuck knows where they go from there because... Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm just... Where's the public holiday? I've not seen a public holiday yet. No public holiday. And I think when the Queen dies, the public holiday we'll get is Prince Charles's coronation. Don't think yeah, we'll actually, actually get that's a, probably true. Don't think we'll get a public holiday for when she when she actually dies. Yeah. Now, one thing I did enjoy was the conflicting statements from William and from Harry. William was totally like 
you know, heir to the throne, a parent and everything. I can't even remember what it said because it was just like, oh, he will be remembered as the longest reigning consort in history. Very statesmanlike. Yeah, very statesmanlike. And then Harry comes out and says, he'll always be my grandpa, legend of the barbecue and master of banter. And you're like, yeah, Harry does not give a shit anymore. <laughs> he is so far removed, he just does not care. But MasterChef was one of the most complained about programs. Was that it? That was binned. Yeah. People were gutted that the MasterChef was All right, so the complaints moved. were that MasterChef was, it was moved. Um, it was amongst the most complained yes, things. Okay. It was moved to Wednesday night. And we were saying before we started recording today that MasterChef was on TV. It wasn't actually MasterChef. It was a different program. No, it was, was MasterChef. It was MasterChef. Yeah. What did you think it was? I thought it was uh, Great British Menu, which is a program I'm a massive fan of. Right. I... Cooking programs, right, are all the rage all the time. It seems like Bake Off and everything like that yeah. becomes enormous. And now Callum has engaged. Year. Now Callum He's has engaged. He suddenly sat up. Hello, yeah. Callum. You're here. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> He's back. Oh, can I just jump back on one point about Harry? Just because right. I fucking well, yeah, I don't like Harry. No, you're not. Either. You're not allowed to. Yep. You, you decided to sit that bit out. Sorry. They actually had a wankier, less personal comment. Was their official comment? Oh, from like, Harry, from, from the Sussexes, and I was like, "That is shit." Your grandfather has died, and it was something like he was a great servant or something, and it was just like, "Fuck off, mm. you fannies." So that's my only point on it. R. Cool, R. right. R.I.P. Philip. And also, the coverage was completely disproportionate, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, in short, you agree. <laughs> yeah. But no, all of these cooking programs, right, I don't know where I'm going this with, to be honest, just that... They, they are all the rage. Do you like them? Yes or no? <laughs> well, and like, I, I kind of feel like I must be missing out on something here. Like, Bake Off and that, like, the oh. drama that comes from Bake Off and MasterChef and that, like, people just... They're like the, I know we're living in a pandemic, so you don't get this, but like the whole kind of coffee cooler, uh, coffee cooler, water cooler. What, what the fuck would a coffee cooler, cooler be coffee. like? What's going on with me and my puts and my coffee coolers this week? But anyway, you've no, got water, a coffee cooler, cooler chat. Like it's always Bake Off and Master Shelf and everything like that. I'm, I'd Master Shelf, is that a DIY? Master Shelf, <laughs> a DIY spin oh, Right, hang on, I, lads. I need to Whoa, go. we need to cut that. <laughs> Get off this podcast and get working on that. Getting it pitched. Master shelf. Master shelf. <laughs> it's like changing rooms, but just for what the 21st it? century. Oh. Building up to that tension moment when the judge places the spirit level on the <laughs> shelf. <laughs> oh, no. It's 0.0001% out. You're off it's the It's one degree of an arc out. <laughs> You're the star shelfer this week. <laughs> <laughs> But there's so many Great British other things now as well. Yeah. Great British landscape artists and all this pish. And it's like, oh my God, right. But on the cooking programme, so I I was looking for something just to have on as a background noise while I was doing something at home the other day. Um, So I was going through Netflix and I found the Great American Barbecue was the Great American Barbecue competition or whatever. Oh, there is one on Netflix. Mate, I salivate. <laughs> TV gold. Oh, Netflix food shows are immense. I, I, I am, I am literally salivating as I just think about watching. I was, I, I was eight say, hours yeah. of just folk barbecue. Was this where they were like making brisket and ribs oh, and all this kind of stuff? It's like proper American Aye. deep south barbecue. And it was, oh, I, oh, I should have seen this, mate. I want to learn how to do that. Is this because? Is it the food that is so good about it, or is it the drama as well? Oh, it's the me? food. No, yeah. it's the food. I don't it's care about the drama. It's the food. Bake Off is pish. Yeah? I'm going to throw that out there. Bake Off is fucking awful. Overrated. Absolutely yep. overrated. The irony of it is, just to touch back onto the previous thing about the BBC and getting it wrong, it is proof, though, that stuff on terrestrial telly, even though pretty much everybody has got some form of additional TV beyond terrestrial telly, it shows how important terrestrial telly still is. Yeah, how because dominant those four if channels Great British are. Bake Off was mm. like on Sky Living or something like that, nobody would care about it whatsoever. Was it Channel 4 who bought it off the Beeb? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, did they buy it off them? Or yeah. Did 
they bought the, the production company moved. Did they not buy no, the? They pro- bought it off the beef. Well, yeah. no, they yeah. bought. Yeah. Well, they took no, they the rights. The, yeah. yeah, they took the rights from the production company. Uh, yeah, buying it from yeah. The beef. yeah. But no, Great British like I disagree with you. Bake Off is brilliant. Yeah, but you're I a fucking love woman. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like see the one about the barbecue and stuff. I like stuff where I'm like, I that looks like mouthwateringly good. I'm like, I want to eat all of that. Give even the worst person. Give me your food because it still looks fucking amazing. Great British, it's like people making cakes of like shoes that then fall apart and stuff and I'm like that looks pish I don't want to eat that I won't put it in the bin because that's where it belongs get back Mary Berry because at least she had the right idea of getting drunk so that's my thoughts <laughs> you on you ever bit. watched Cake Boss? Cake yes. Boss is fucking amazing Buddy the Cake Boss right yes. so you're all for the daft cakes of daft things in that regard <laughs> but, but it's not w- on Bake Off absolutely because <laughs> at least their things are epically massive <laughs> and like and it got to the point that they started like moving and things and I'm like that's cool like like that, right and they're well baked I like the you've, they've baked it in the bakery right now we've got to get it into a lorry <laughs> without it falling <laughs> apart <laughs> but he just, he, he's just wanting something about like UPS and Hermes and <laughs> like DHL he's just wanting like some sort of logistics show that's amazing I love Ice Road Truckers get out <laughs> Ice Road tr- Ice Road Truckers what a show what a show <laughs> I've not seen that in ages. Years. Years. Quality viewing. It was. Better really than was. great better than Great British I honestly think Great British Bake Off is the most overrated thing on telly. Yeah. Another one I've not seen in years but I was such a sucker for was Grand Designs. Like, is that the move the bus one? No, that no, was, no, no, that that was Extreme Makeover, makeover Home yes. Edition. Ah, no, yeah. Grand Designs is the Kevin MacLeod one. Ah, that's like the professionals do yeah. that one, isn't yeah. it? it? Well, it's no, it's like when folk are building their own house. Ah, like the dream. Have these, yeah. yeah. And like these grand designs. Ah, ah, I mean, that's an amazingly thought out name. <laughs> it follows the same format every single time where it's like one guy is like a shoemaker and the other collects bumblebees and like uh, our budget is 600 grand and you think how the fuck have you cobbled that much together and then they go like 50 percent over budget and there's always this late drama and kevin looks into the camera uh, going you know? i just can't see how it'll be completed on time and they're and always living is... on site in a caravan, in a static <laughs> caravan. <laughs> well, no, not even a static caravan a oh. touring caravan oh my god slumming <laughs> it truly every time every single time you see that you see the van backing in, dropping off the new bottle of Calor gas. Yeah. Just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, it's just amazing what they do with now, these things. You like. see what I what I miss? Changing rooms. That was absolute quality. For did you watch Changing Rooms? Yeah. The so, so your neighbours decorated each other's houses, and it was when one of them absolutely hated <laughs> it, yeah. and like the woman would just burst into tears. Like, I'm never speaking to you again. <laughs> that was quality with Carol Smiley. Wholesome, like I was going to say, nineties TV, but would that have been nineties or is that I early noughties? Was. That's got to be nineties into the noughties. It was probably yeah, into the noughties. Yeah, like yeah, that time. Yeah, Extreme Makeover is another one though that's absolutely. Brilliant. Epic. With um Epic. Oh, what's it? Ty Bennington, isn't yes. it? It's, oh absolutely brilliant. It's one of these ones where even when you're viewing it, you're shouting like the move that but <laughs> it's not an, it's not a makeover though though, because they'd just knock the house down Aye. and start again. Yeah. It's like Ninja Warrior. Oh. Yeah, do you watch that? Yeah. yeah. And the boys at the wall. And you, you beat you, the wall. Beat <laughs> and everyone's <laughs> in the living room like beat the wall. <laughs> It's a, such a rubbish chant, but everyone's in. Everyone's like, yeah! <laughs> Is that that barbecue one had that as well? Like, it gets to the end, like, show me the meat. <laughs> <laughs> and there's right, three. I'm, yes, I'm, I'm sold. I'm sold on this show. Paul loves it when they show him the meat. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> show me the poop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say to you. <laughs> Baba comes in with his meat. <laughs> I'll show my meat if you show your poo. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's like, I've got a Johnson & Johnson glaze for you. <laughs> oh, man. 
Right, what is, the, what is the title of that, Andrew? I'm genuinely checking that out this weekend. It's The Great American Barbecue. I'm sure. Or something it, like that uh, on Netflix. Right, there we go. There's the recommendations. Quality. Absolute yeah. quality. And I want to learn to barbecue like that. I, I want bet, a they've great, got I like the pits these. that they drop the stuff down in. Oh, there's and some that. of the challenges are like, yeah, you're going to be cooking in a pit. You've got to build it first. Dig <laughs> 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 the pit and build around it. <laughs> I... Ah, there's where else is it? And it's like, what's the normal cooking di- time for this meat? Okay, you're getting two hours less than that, and you've got to build what you cook with first. <laughs> I always love that on these shows, and it's like, yes, you have to do this in less time than you should be required. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> They're always late getting their meat into the the barbecue as well. <laughs> but I want one of those big American smokers, and then you just like cook meat for sixteen hours. Oh. It just sounds amazing. Hopefully, we get a crack in summer for it this year. (laughs) Under a gazebo. (laughs) Yeah. In the garage with the door open. (laughs) (laughs) You're up all night just smoking your meat. (laughs) Andrew, why have you been up all night? Smoking my meat, love. Smoking my meat. (laughs) Come in the morning and you've... uh, you forgot to open the garage door and you're dead with <laughs> carbon monoxide poisoning. <laughs> the meat's tremendous, though. <laughs> the meat was falling off the bone, though. <laughs> As we're at the wake, just like, it was a great way to die. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously just got that last mop of the meat in before he carked it. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's found reaching up for another wing. Just <laughs> spare ribs. Just <laughs> Remnants of barbecue sauce around <laughs> <in> my mouth. <laughs> oh, oh dear! I'm right. actually now really hungry. That's one problem with this conversation. I'm starving. I'm yeah, cooking starving. shows are top notch. Uh, Netflix cooking shows, though. Oh, like honestly. nailed it is brilliant. Oh. Nailed it. Oh, I've not seen this one. What oh, they so they're oh, that's a bacon one. So they're uh, bad. So yeah. Nailed it. Uh, sugar, Zumba, Ru- sugar Rush. Sugar Rush. Zumbo's... Zumbo's... Um, candy? No, Sugar House or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Which was actually... It wasn't a Netflix original originally and it bombed. And then it got put on Netflix. Did really well. And now they're making more of them. Aye. Netflix done that with a few shows. Like, both these sort of re- reality type shows and even some other more like drama shows. It's like... You can't watch series one because it's not on Netflix, but series two it's is a Netflix original. Is an, <laughs> yeah, you're like, is it a Netflix original? Really? I mean, yeah. I have, I often spend like twice as long browsing Netflix for what I'm going to watch. Yeah. Then put the thing on and watch it for all of 15 minutes and just go, nah. <laughs> oh, I've done that with a few as well, yeah. Usually, though, I'll browse something, you find something. And then you binge watch it, and then you're spending the next three days going, I need to find someone else to watch now. <laughs> so I don't watch a lot, but I'm on Parks and Rec just now. Finally got around to watching part of Parks and Rec. I think I started that and then haven't. That's the one that has Chris Pratt in it, and he's yeah, and much I'd bigger d- in that, isn't he? Is he not fat in it? Or not quite fat, but. Aye, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. aye. And, um, Larger. Shit's Creek's the other one. That's oh, Shit's Creek good is well. fucking amazing. Again, I started uh, it and the, I, I need to go back. I know I need to go back. So, I, honestly, it's one of the best things I've watched in a very, very long time. So I've had it recommended, but from someone who I do not value their opinions and recommendations. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, now that no, I'm hearing more on it. it is absolute quality. It's, uh, the whole thing is just immense. And it's one of these good shows that it's a comedy, episodes yeah. are on, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's Eugene Levy, well, and it's Daniel a Levy, comedy. aye, and it's it, it's like only twenty minute episodes though as well. So it's like the ideal thing that if you're kind of just a bit tired and you didn't want something that you've got to think about, and mm. if you only want to watch one episode, fine. It's not like you've got to pause halfway through the episode if you kind of just want to yeah, just blast go, through go to bed or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's so good though, so funny. It's, uh, but I think it was one of these where apparently he'd pitched it to his dad and his dad was a bit like hmm, this is a bit shit but he's my son so I better go along with it and then it like just grew into this <laughs> Oh, so m- is it actually following a real family then? No, 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 so no. Eugene Eugene Levy's the guy from like American Pie mm. and all that so his son 
Daniel came up with the idea, and they're both in it. Like half the Levy family's in it. Oh right. Um, it's a bit like Mrs. Brown's boys. <laughs> it's like <laughs> if you're related, you got on. Except uh, it's not shit. Well, that's also <laughs> very true. Oh, Mrs. Brown's boys was okay. I thought for. Nah, maybe the first your, season or something no uh, I didn't mind it to start <laughs> no. with because it was a bit different but eventually it became the kind of comedy where it was just like I mean, the best thing you can say f- about it was it's a bit different <laughs> I mean that, that tells you everything you need to know <laughs> I thought like season one if it even was a season I don't know that it was funny lengths of episode numbers but I thought that was alright and then it became super super repetitive and the Christmas specials and everything like I didn't laugh once for nah, ages. I just never... Not at all. Never not took to it at all. Nah. It's just grumpy as fuck, though. I, say, I don't know if you'd like Shit's Creek. I don't know if you've got a sense of humour. <laughs> Born <laughs> without a sense of humour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Andrew. It's all right, mate. So speaking of someone who doesn't... Shit's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of somebody who's probably got a really shit sense of humour. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Paul. <laughs> Hi. I was talking about the boy that loves pigs. David Cameron. Oh. oh yeah. We're we doing this now, are we? Well, yeah. I thought we might as well. Why not? We might as well just chuck another topic in there. Another 20 another minutes one. onto the episode. Why not? <laughs> Why not? We're only at 51 minutes. <sighs> right. Our listeners on. didn't have anything last week, so again. So we're... Right, okay, so what we're talking after this, because we've got to double up here, haven't we? We'll just go all night. Yeah, let's go. All right. night long. So, all night. how closely have you pair been following all this night long. emerging scandal? I'm not going to engage Andrew. <laughs> I'm not going to Anna Kendrick this one. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how closely have you boys been following this? Uh, not, like, in-depth, but... I've seen I've seen the headlines. It's pretty much where I've I'm seen at. a bit beyond the headlines, but it's um well, something, th- something to do with text uh, Rishi Sunak, and that was about as much as I know. The Sunak, yeah, basically Dishy, Rishi. <laughs> so Cameron had brought in le- legislation, in, or his government had brought in legislation in 2014, saying that we need to be much more upfront about who is lobbying government and for what reasons. Under that legislation it has emerged that he was lobbying um, Rishi Sunak on behalf of this company, Greensill Capital, who the guy who owns Greensill Capital had been an advisor to Cameron during his time in office. and An unpaid advisor, is Unpaid that right? advisor, yep. And Cameron had share options in this firm that are reportedly worth £60 million. But now that the firm has gone bust, he's not got now. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he was lobbying senior members of the government. Now, everything he has done is completely legal. Yeah. Totally legal. It's just a question of, well, is it really appropriate for the next prime minister to be texting a member of the government, especially the current chancellor, and lobbying on their behalf? And really the whole debate's about, well, to what extent are the populace comfortable with lobbying? Was there not also a meeting... An informal meeting between Cameron, Greensill, and Han- Hancock. Hancock, yes. Yeah. Where uh, Greensill offered that if the government paid, that he would do some sort of software system for the NHS. And then in March of last year, he just gave the software system to the NHS for free. But it was seen that that was kind of a favour of, oh, well, maybe if we give you this for free, you'll consider extending the schemes that you're doing as part of this coronavirus relief package so that the company would be propped up um but yeah the debate really is should the populace just be accepting of lobbying and even if they aren't what can be done about it really well i I would say there's a little bit more on the debate than just about the comfortable because one of the problems with the current legislation is that it actually only legislates for quite a exact section of lobbyists is one of the problems. So it's outside contract lobbyists are really the only people who are covered by legislation. So that's part of the problem with Cameron is that he wasn't an he was an inside lob he was deemed to be an inside lobbyist. 
so therefore could kind of go about doing whatever he wanted mm. because the legislation only applies to like consultancy lobbyists who have to every quarter produce lists of who all their clients are produce lists of meetings and stuff and we've got a bizarre situation where the lobbying industry are actually telling the government to regulate their industry more because i think what their argument is well hang on we're actually having to jump through hoops but there's all these other people out there who are lobbying who aren't having to jump through these hoops because like charities in this country are one of the biggest lobby factions Mm. um who don't have to if they've got in-house lobbyists they don't have to do all these things so that's part of the issue isn't it is about lobbying in general but it's also that we have legislation that apparently is meant to sort of provide protection but in reality so many people are not caught by the net it's not really providing the protection it's not fit for purpose at all one of the problems that you've got with this as well is like you, you there are possible solutions like i think another one of the things that about this particular case that people are so concerned about is that if you become a senior government minister and especially like a prime minister in that there are so few of those that they are like disproportionately valuable to companies to get like yeah tony blair or gordon brown or george Osborne, you know and so there's that just doesn't sit quite right and you could just have some sort of ban which says if you have ever served in government office you can never be a lobbyist the problem you've got is why would any government ever introduce that kind of legislation because job security in politics is so crap that you want the protection of knowing that you've at least got a lobbying career to fall back on when you yeah. move out of politics. So, well, I know for the industry, their suggestion is that no minister should be allowed to be a lobbyist for five years after they step down. Because I think the idea is kind of, what, after five years, your influence has started to wane within the cabinet. Like, you know, a lot of people might have moved on and it's probably a full parliamentary cycle and things like that. But theirs is probably from a position of, realistically, you're not going to be able to nev- get legislation passed where no lo- you know, no minister is ever allowed to be a lobbyist. Mm. So I suppose it's probably a slightly compromised position. And even if, like, journalists do a great job of shining a light on this and holding politicians to account, I just can't see why politicians would ever... It's like Turkey's voting for Christmas. You know, why on earth would they ever do anything on this? So, I, in some ways, I, I don't even... I don't see what the solution is, really. But is that... I suppose it goes back... Is there anything wrong with lobbying, though? There's nothing wrong with lobbying, as far as I'm concerned. Lobbying in its... Uh, sort of basic form, uh, I think, is unnecessary... Yeah, I would agree. As part of a, a functioning democracy. Does it not give billionaires oh, s- disproportionate well, influence possibly. over... It's how the world works, Paul. I know it's it, how the no, world it works, It yeah. does, but that doesn't mean that the concept of lobbying isn't necessary. That means that the way that our society works... Isn't correct. Even without lobbying, you then have things like party donations and stuff. Like the rich are always going to find a way to have influence, whether you actually scrap lobbying or not. But you you require lobbying to change things that go on in the real world that a government would never pick up on. So the obvious example I can think of is in our work life, Paul, Mm. where the company that we work for lobbied to have whiplash reforms go through in law yeah because so many ambulance chaser companies were just like going around and putting in all of these dodgy and outright fraudulent claims for yeah whiplash and yeah and if lobbying didn't exist that change wouldn't have gone through yeah so it's, it's a very easy real world example to bring up yeah, of something that absolutely would not have taken place. Well, yeah. and, you, and you hear of things like if, as soon as there's anything that's getting talked about with the ro- the roads, the AA or the RAC are all of a sudden talk. You know, it's oh we've got so and so on from the RAC. 
well, they lobby the government. And actually, yeah. generally speaking, they're lobbying for positive things. And probably an advantage we actually have in this country is that so much lobbying does take place through sort of charities and organisations that it's not necessarily the lobbying out of profit for themselves. They're actually quite often industry body. They've got self-interest. I'm not saying they don't have self-interest. Yeah. But it's probably a sort of more purer form of, you know, of lobbying that it's actually looking out for people. Should there be, and could there even be, some sort of control over who has the right to lobby? Like, if, if you're lobbying for something which is against the public interest, now, the issue there is who defines well, yeah. what's, yeah, but in principle, if you could define what's in the public interest, should there be some sort of restriction that if you're lobbying for something against the public interest, you shouldn't be allowed to do it? The the problem that you have as soon as you start restricting lobbying is I think the only way you can truly restrict lobbying is restricting access to MPs, which arguably goes against the whole democratic process because then what's to stop Mrs. Smith not being around, allowed to write a letter to her yeah. MP? Yeah. So, actually, maybe not a full consensus, but the the majority vote in this case is... Even if it does look a bit dodgy, lobbying's just part of life. It's maybe even necessary. And storming a teacup? I think I think it is. I think lobbying, I don't see a problem with it. I don't know enough about the story to say if the story is storming a teacup or not. But, I, but I in think terms of lobbying and there being an outcry about... Well, lobbying is necessary, as I said. So mm. uh, I think there's yeah. a slight degree of ministerial privilege is where the problem one of the issues comes and that probably there is probably some questions over that but i don't really see the big deal about it if government are going to do it they're going to do it and to be quite honest even if you ban these guys from doing it for five years they'll find it in a roundabout way it's like some of these things they're saying that like minister you can't speak some of these consultants they can't speak directly to the politicians i don't know if that's over everything or just some things so all they do is they go and speak to their secretary. Like, you know, they go yeah. and speak to the advisor. They're as good as speaking Can to the person. Pass on. Cheers. So <laughs> aye, it, it, they will always find a way around it. So it, it's one of these, is it like in cycling where they were like, well, if we just let everybody dope, then, well, what does it matter? You know, like nobody gains an unfair advantage. That sort of whole argument on that side of it. It's like, well... If everyone can lobby, everyone can lobby. The rich will ultimately win anyway. So, yeah. I used to have the opinion as well that, um, w- especially when it came to like prime ministers and U.S. presidents and stuff like that, that it's such a tough job that they do. It really is a tough job that once they've kind of been kicked out of politics, you can't come back into politics once you've been a party leader. Like you're done. I've got no problem with them getting these bumper speeches I and not everything like leader. that. You hmm? can you can come back into politics after being a party leader. I don't think you can come back into politics after being the leader of a country. Tell Theresa May that. Well, I know Theresa May's still kicking uh, around, but very, yes, very but few so others is, do. So is Ian Duncan Smith. Sorry, yeah. So as a party this leader, yes. I'm as making. a leader, yeah, as yeah. a party yeah, okay. leader... Yeah, I know Ed Miliband's still kicking exactly. around and things like that. But yeah, as a leader of a country, it's a bit different. Yes, I know that Theresa... Yeah, the exactly. I'm yeah, yeah, I think but yeah. I've got no problem with them picking up their big paychecks, I guess, is my point, because it genuinely is such a tough, tough job. I almost kind of feel like, well, that's their due. And yeah, yet... I, I don't think they pick up that big a paycheck for the job that they do. No, and that's no, the problem. Exactly. And if you didn't allow them to... I think that's maybe what you're trying to say. If you didn't allow them to pick it up afterwards... It's probably not really very fair. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yet, my view on that has changed slightly with the likes of Trump and Bojo and people like that, who I, I think are actually just kind of swanning about an awful lot of the time and not really applying themselves. Ju- they are the- just products of the the draw that power has for some people. It's as simple mm. as that with them. Yeah. And there will always be an element of that within politics. Yeah, and I think there are the exceptions to the norm as well, and I think it will normalise after the pair of uh, Yeah, I don't know. I would have said Alex Salmond is another one that we've seen in British politics, and yeah. I, I think his latest stunt proves it, 
his latest stunt with the the Alba party, it's not about a super majority. It's he wants his puss on the telly again. Yeah. And to have some power to swing around. Like all the polls saying that they're gonna get deadly squat and that will be absolutely majestic. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, people being ambitious for power is not—it's not remotely new with Bojo and Donald. It's part of the human condition. It's uh, not even just the ambition for power, though. It's the fact that I get the feeling that like they just don't e- didn't even bother to apply themselves. Like they did the absolute bare minimum required to fulfil the requirements of the office. Whereas, you know, I get the impression that even if you disagreed with their policies, I can't think of another former PM who didn't actually put their utmost in. Like, Theresa May had... With Johnson, and it's, I think, something I've said on the podcast as well previously, is Boris Johnson always wanted to be Prime Minister, and he always wanted to have been Prime Minister, but the bit in the middle is a bit of an issue. Aye. Yeah. Yeah, I also think that, and I'm sure I've said it as well on this before, is that Johnson wanted to be the Prime Minister that got Brexit done, and the problem is a pandemic came along and kind of made him stuck. Like, he was the Prime Minister to get Brexit done. That was it. I think that's all he really envisaged himself doing. He's not a statesman. No. And and I suppose that's it. At least guys like Churchill probably had that power-hungry attitude of Boris, but had some actual statesman ability to back it up as well. There's a real possibility he's going to go down in history as like having presided over some of the most momentous events in UK history. You know, with Brexit and with the pandemic, and I know we touched on the Philip thing earlier on, but if Queenie were to go a similar way in the next six well, to 12 months, then... Six months average for over 70s is the lonely heart difference in death. I noticed that yep. the senior royals have said she'll never be alone. That was... Just turned into a Liverpool fan, so <laughs> to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she did her first engagement. Um, that was quite that today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they kind of hang about at that age. <laughs> Aye, yeah. I don't know what it was. The I just Lord saw the headline. Chamber- she took the Lord Chamberlain's staff and insignia back off him. Earl mm-hmm. Peel, I believe it was. So there you go. So, so you well, have, a fact for you. So you have been somewhat following. The news then, Callum on the Royals, and the I aftermath. Couldn't really be asked into the <laughs> debate about the Royals, so that's. Uh, it wasn't even the Royals, but yeah. Not anyway. to be fair, the conversation didn't really go where I thought it would go, so my silence was probably <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah, but, but you, you'd committed by that point. I know. <laughs> you can't just <laughs> then come back in. I was given for like one hell of a minute silence. Let me tell you. <laughs> That's it. We're done. So say bye to our listeners, boys. We doing the socials or what? Why? No one goes on them anyway. (laughs) Andrew, how's up with the socials? Go! Twitter at the Castle View, Facebook.com forward slash the Castle View. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Cheerio.